Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The Michael Reed Show podcast. Tune in weekdays from 9 on LMFM. To contact us, email now. Michael at lmfm.ie. Friday morning, the 16th of December. Good morning with much debate and discussion from now till 11am. This is Michael Reid on LMFM. Uh, family in Dundalk mourns the death of uh, their 24-year-old son. A nation stops to reflect on the very rare occasion of a fallen Irish soldier in active service. Details of what happened in Lebanon before Private Sean Rooney was shot dead at around a quarter past nine Irish time on Wednesday evening are beginning to emerge. It seems that it was a routine operation for um, Private Sean Rooney and his seven colleagues as they made their way to Beirut in two armours utility vehicles. And the purpose of their journey was uh, for compassionate leave for two soldiers who were to return back to Ireland because of deaths in their families. Uh, But it seems that along the route that the convoy got lost somehow. Uh, Detective, or I beg your pardon, Private Sean Rooney was driving at one of the armoured utility vehicles and uh, it seems that instead of taking the highway uh, that they may have ended up on the coastal road, which is not usually used by peacekeepers. Now there's a lot of theories as to why that may have happened uh, because uh, there's per satellite coverage in the region and signage is very poor. Uh, It apparently does happen quite often. But uh, the mayor of uh, the town where this killing happened, Bassam Javar, uh, says that residents tried to to stop the Univille vehicle. There's reports that when the vehicle got lost, that it was driving up and down and backwards and forwards and Uh, the residents started to wonder what was happening. Apparently they were watching a World Cup game uh, and they tried to ask the peacekeepers what they were doing there, that they weren't allowed into the village. Uh, The convoy then tried to escape from these locals uh, and whatever happened next uh, it resulted in a crash. We don't know if shots were fired before or afterwards but uh, there were some gunshots and it seems uh, that uh, the unit uh, that uh, Private Sean Rooney was driving hit a shop um, and appeared to lose control and drive into a shop. Shots were fired. Uh, gla- the glass on these vehicles is bulletproof and uh, it's thought that when this armoured vehicle hit the shop that perhaps the doors opened and that is a result of that uh, then this mob were able to take on the four Irish soldiers who were separated from the other vehicle. Uh, Hezbollah has uh, denied any involvement in all of this, but it is to be the subject of three separate investigations. And the Irish investigation into this uh, undoubtedly will be focusing on why the vehicle was where it was and what happened in between. Uh, And we'll be hearing more about that investigation later in the programme when we speak with uh, the Defence Forces uh, and indeed as we pay tribute to... 
Private Sean Rooney throughout the morning. Let's uh, begin now with uh, the Auxiliary Bishop of Armagh, Bishop Michael Rooter, who is based in Dundalk. And a very good morning to you, Bishop Rooter, and thank you indeed uh, for joining us on uh, the programme uh, this morning. The nation is in shock. Uh, there's a, a family who are mourning the death of their son and this is a very rare circumstance uh, I'm sure like everybody else uh, you're very disturbed at the news that we're hearing from Lebanon Yes I certainly am Michael uh, thank you for having me on this morning uh, I just want to begin by expressing my deepest sympathies uh, to the family of uh, Private Sean Rooney um, who was so tragically killed as you have outlined on peacekeeping duty uh, on Wednesday night in, in the Lebanon uh, he was serving with the 121st Infantry Battalion uh, of UNIFIL, which works for uh, World Peace and has been um, situated in Lebanon for quite a while now, since 1978. And uh, I know that um, his loss is a huge loss for uh, his family, for his friends, uh, for his colleagues uh, in the barracks there in, in uh, Dundalk, where he served in the 27th Infantry Battalion. And uh, it's particularly tragic, too, as we come close to Christmas. Um, we are celebrating the birth of the Prince of Peace at Christmas, and um, this just reminds us of the, the dangers that are in our world, the work that has to be done uh, to achieve and to maintain peace uh, throughout the world. Uh, I was with you last week, Michael, we were talking about uh, the Ukraine and it's very much at the centre of everyone's attention uh, at the moment. But there are so many different uh, conflicts and wars going on around the world uh, at the moment and perhaps we don't <clears throat> see them uh, mentioned very much uh, in in the media. Um, but they're there and they're terrible. Syria, Yemen... And obviously the the, the continuing uh, troubles in in South Lebanon, uh, which uh, Private Rooney was uh, working so hard to uh, to try and keep the peace there. It's just absolutely tragic, and I feel so sorry uh, for his family and for all his loved ones. Um, he was a really great guy. Mm. Um, I didn't know him personally, but I know his grandfather uh, very well, Eugene, and his grandmother Rachel. And um, I, I visited the family yesterday. They they live in the Holy Family Parish, and uh, that's where I'm actually based. But I have my office there at Holy Family. And Eugene is a caretaker. He's the groundsman uh, at uh, Holy Family, and he does an absolutely fantastic job. And he's um, he's won many awards for the grounds there. I'm sure you're you're aware of them or know them there around the church in in Holy Family and. Um, I think Sean uh, shared many of, of the qualities of his, his his grandparents and of his mother, Natasha, uh, who um, I want to sympathise with so deeply at this time as well, and uh, with his, um, his uncles, uh, John and Eugene and his aunt Tara. It's just devastation for them. Um, they've lost such a great great um, son and grandson and uh, it's just never going to be replaced uh, but they have many fond memories in a short life uh, of um, of such a wonderful man and um, someone who was devoted to uh, what he was doing and uh, very very committed and dedicated uh, to the cause of peace he comes from a military family. Uh, he followed in his father's footsteps. Indeed, his his late father's footsteps. His uh, three uncles uh, continue to serve in the Irish Army and are based at Aiken Barracks. Uh, and with overseas missions, uh, I suppose everybody has to be aware that there's always a, a dangerous element to uh, being deployed overseas uh, like this. Uh, but Having said that, I, I take it it must be very difficult for the family to accept, to comprehend what has happened. Oh, yeah. I mean, you do accept that once you go overseas, uh, that, that there is an element of danger involved. Uh, I suppose 
there hasn't been a major event um, involving the Irish peacekeepers, I think, nearly in over 20 years. Uh, so probably we were lulled into a, a false sense of security uh, about the dangers that are there. And, and I'm, I'm thinking very much of, of the families of um, soldiers who are in Lebanon at the moment who are serving their tour of duty there. Um, you know that that we we should you know uh, keep them in our prayers as well and and think about them and uh, console them as well because this must be a major shock to to everyone uh, who is involved in the defence forces here in Ireland mm. um, because Ireland has a tremendous record in in peacekeeping across the world and so many of the soldiers have been involved in that. Uh, so we keep them in our minds very much uh, today as well. Uh, but uh, you know that there is an element of danger uh, once you 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 go abroad, once you go to uh, these particular um, situations. Um, and it was so unfortunate what happened on Wednesday night um, that you know it just seemed to be uh, an aberration that um, it, it wasn't the norm in a sense and the fact that they got separated from the rest of their unit um, left them very exposed so um, you know yeah. it, is, it, is, it is unfortunate Whenever uh, somebody close to us dies uh, I think the practicalities uh, of uh, making the arrangements are, are probably good for us psychologically in terms of getting through the initial terrible grief of uh, the loss that comes with uh, the death of uh, somebody that is close to you. Uh, I think most of us uh, would testify to that. And there's a, a, a huge difference, of course, for this family, for Private Sean Rooney's family now, because he's overseas, he's been killed, uh, serving, uh, killed in action, serving for the Irish Army. Um, and uh, undoubtedly, there's a number of formalities that have to go be uh, that have to happen first. Uh, I understand, by the way, uh, that his colleagues are uh, around him in the hospital and will stay there until he's repatriated. But uh, the repatriation of uh, Private Sean Rooney uh, will take some days, it, it seems. Uh, and uh, well, then when he, he is brought home, I understand uh, that he'll be offered a full military honours funeral, uh, which would seem appropriate, wouldn't it, Bishop? Oh, very much so, yes. I mean, he has laid down his life for peace. Uh, and uh, yes, that, that certainly would be very appropriate. Um, I mean, I, I'm not aware just yet of of what the actual arrangements will be. They will, it will, as you say, take a little bit of time uh, because of the circumstances to organise everything and to repatriate him. Um, and that's difficult for for family uh, because there is a sort of a there are a few days of limbo really before uh, they know exactly what is going to happen. Um, and, you know, the, the whole ritual that surrounds a funeral is very comforting for people. Um, and it, it, for a while at least, I suppose it kind of takes your mind off of the reality of what has, has happened. But they have to wait. And that waiting can be, can be so difficult. But the thing is that they will receive huge support from the local community. And they'll re- receive huge support from the defence forces as well. Uh, I have no doubt that in the days ahead, they will really um, come to the aid of, of the family in so many different ways and keep them informed about what is happening and, uh, you know, take the burden of, of um, organisation around the whole funeral, that from them and help them in so many ways. Okay. Um, so I think, um, you know, that. We just, it's up to us to, to, to keep them in, a, in our prayers and mm-hmm. to, uh, to do whatever we can to, to support them okay. in, uh, on in that, the weeks and months ahead. Sure. Uh, on that note, Bishop Michael, uh, um, will you please pass on the condolences uh, of our listeners? We're getting so many messages uh, from people who want to sympathise uh, with the family, from all of us, uh, for that matter. Uh, uh, I know uh, that uh, they're in the thoughts and prayers of so many people uh, uh, and the nation really is reflecting on what is a, a rare occasion. Um, yes. But, uh, we'll um, can, can I just maybe, yes. uh, as we finish, Michael, yeah. just to, to say a prayer for all our soldiers and peacekeepers, if, if that's okay with you. Just, of course. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We, we remember them, particularly at this time coming up to Christmas. So many of them are coming home 
uh, for and, and Private Sean was was due to come home on on Wednesday, and that's uh, so sad. But mm. he was only uh, there three weeks, I think, wasn't he? He was. He was. Yeah. He was only there for a, for a short time. It was the second tour of duty, though. It was the yeah. second time yeah. there. So very skilled, um, experienced uh, soldier. Yeah. Soldier, yes. So, loving Father, we ask you to protect our soldiers and peacekeepers as they discharge their duties. Protect them with the shield of your strength and keep them safe from all evil and harm. May the power of your love enable them to return home in safety, that with all who love them, they may ever praise you for your loving care. And this we ask through Christ our Lord. Amen. Bishop Michael Rutter, thank you very much indeed. Now, uh, let's stay in Dundalk. Rory Murakou is uh, Sinn Féin TD and on the line with us. And uh, thanks uh, for joining us uh, and uh, staying with us uh, throughout uh, the Bishop's interview there for that matter. Uh, Private Sean Rooney is from your neighbourhood, really, isn't he? Yes, and here, Michael, I have to thank yourself and Bishop Rooter. That, that was a really, really nice piece and it caught up where the community is where the entire island is in relation to uh, Sean Rooney. And, um, yeah, Sean Rooney grew up um, in, 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 as you say, my, my, my part of the world. Um, in fairness, I was lucky enough, uh, I arrived back late from, from Leinster House yesterday, but I had an opportunity to call at the house, so I was able to call with his grandparents, that's uh, Eugene and Rachel, and as was stated earlier, look, Eugene is one of those salt-of-the-earth people um, that if you ask him to do something above and beyond, he always does it. I remember recently uh, when we were preparing for uh, Amy Broadhurst's Welcome Home, one of our many victories, and someone said, I'm going to go and talk to Eugene Rooney about uh, getting some grass cut that needs done. When they went down to ask him to do it, he was already doing it. So. Uh, Sean Rooney like comes from that. He would have spent a considerable amount of time in uh, Eugene and Rachel's, you know, home house in in Ahamin. And you always dread going to a house in a situation like that. But it's like every other time I've I've ever landed there, all you're getting is warmth. And I can't imagine the deep loss. I also met there with uh, Paul, who would be. Uh, Natasha's husband, uh, Natasha is um, Sean's mother. Um, she 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 actually was actually taking a rest at the particular time I I landed at the house. Obviously, having gone through an absolutely brutal traumatic day that you you wouldn't like uh, anybody to go through. So, in fairness, they have all relocated to Dundalk for for this period, and I know that nobody has determined exactly. And what the funeral arrangements are, but uh, the family's the family is obviously hoping and wants that um, that the funeral would actually happen uh, in Dundalk, and then that uh, the burial would would happen up in in Donegal. Um, but look, it's it's utterly tragic, as I say. I, I have no words that you can add in relation to it. Look, and in fairness. Bishop Bruder spoke about the entire um, family, so I, I extend uh, I, I, I extend my condolences to to to, to all of them. And it, you go into these circumstances, and what you what you always point out is if there's anything you can do, but you're not always sure that there is. But there is nothing but goodwill uh, in relation to Sean Rooney, and that's also it's it, it's only at times like this that we realise the risk. Uh, that those soldiers serving in UNIFIL operations, what they're going through. Um, it was put very uh, eloquently earlier um, that he made the ultimate sacrifice in the cause of peace. And, and that's the risk that these men and women have to take every day. Mm. And for an awful lot of us, it's only at tragic times like that, like this, that, that we realise that. I'll be speaking with the Irish Defence Forces uh, later in the programme uh, and uh, I'll put a question to you that uh, I intend uh, to put uh, to Captain Byrne when he joins us uh, because Private Sean Rooney was acting in a, a peacekeeping role. Uh, there is a question about his death, uh, whether uh, he died uh, in a military operation or if he was murdered. Uh, have you any thoughts on that? Well, Michael, we we all know the the end. We've all heard the initial um, 
stories that are coming through in relation to what may have happened and whether they got lost. But we have no absolute detail yet. Um, the fact is, there is going to be need to be an investigation. But a, a, a peacekeeper, a, peace, a peacekeeper, a peacekeeper was shot dead. Uh, and I suppose the question is, if a peacekeeper is shot dead, uh, is um, that a military assault or an act of war, or is it murder? Well, in relation to the ins and outs from an international legal perspective, I'm not going to be able to answer that. But if it's, is it my view? that somebody who's out there in a peacekeeping mission is actually shot dead. It's very difficult to see how that isn't murder. This is not someone who was partaking um, as in, as a combatant in, in a war or any circumstance like that. Um, look, even Hezbollah have come out and stated, uh, and it's going to be cold comfort, obviously, for the family, um, how well the Irish are thought of now. We know there are complications in relation to the situation in Lebanon and that the the UN mission is around Resolution 1701 and that relates to disarming disarming particular areas and ensuring that the Lebanese army are, for the want of a better term, the main effort. So that means obviously removing the arms and some of the power of the non-state actors And look, it's a situation that has become utterly volatile since the Syrian war. We're all aware of Hezbollah's relationship with the Iranians. Indeed. Very, very, very very complicated Mm. situation. And uh, I think this will probably prompt that conversation, uh, which undoubtedly we'll be having in the coming months. Uh, uh, Unfortunately, the tragedy of what happened on Wednesday night in Lebanon now uh, leaves time really only for mourning. Uh, but we leave it there for the moment and many thanks thank you indeed uh, for joining us on the programme this morning that's uh, Sinn Féin TD for Louth Rory Marku Michael Reed on LMFM let's speak uh, to a grieving mother now Edel Campbell from County Cavan good morning Edel and uh, thank you indeed uh, for joining us uh, tell us uh, about your 18 year old son and uh, the circumstances of his death if you would please so Diego um, passed away on the 25th of August 2021 he died from suicide and recently we've come across an article in the newspaper um, stating uh, Diego and 41 other children who's died recently um, that they died suddenly because of COVID vaccines and because of COVID which is untrue the author of this newspaper has never contacted me to ask me how Diego died. She stole his photo of an RIP site. Um, I've tried to contact her numerous times to ask her to take it down. And I know she's seen my WhatsApps. I know she's seen all my messages, but she won't do it. All I want is to take the picture of Diego off her newspaper and off her website. Okay, you're very upset, Edel, and understandably so. Uh, and I hate to have to uh, correct a small fact, but it's a very important fact in the story that you're telling because uh, this isn't a newspaper. Newspapers are, are regulated, and if it was a newspaper, you'd be able to go to the ombudsman, you'd be able to have this removed, and you'd be able to uh, receive an apology. You probably uh, would receive. Uh, compensation because what is said about your son is a complete lie, it's completely fabricated it, it was uh, very sharp in how uh, it, it was put together, taking a photo off RIP without permission and using your son as a tool in some propaganda war which has been very very dangerous suggesting that he died from a vaccine when you know all too well uh, that he, he died by suicide. So it, it, it wasn't a newspaper, and I hope you don't mind me saying that, he died. I'm sorry, yes, I understand, no, yeah. You understand? Yeah, yeah. But but this is why you're left in limbo, because it wasn't in a newspaper. It was a free sheet. Uh, the Irish Light, it's called, uh, and the editor is uh, Gemma O'Doherty, uh, former journalist Gemma O'Doherty, and that's the person you're talking about uh, who's aware uh, of you're upset by this and that you want it to be taken down. Yeah, I just wanted to take it down. Like, 
we discovered this. I was just by pure coincidence that this paper was discovered in a shop in Castellani. A family friend had seen it and had seen the picture of Diego, and it's the only reason that she picked it up. You know, and um, she she doesn't even know if Diego had the COVID vaccine or not. Like, she 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 probably doesn't even know his name. She doesn't know anything about us, our circumstances. If any of us had the vaccine, she never approached me and asked me. If she was to approach me and say, could she use Diego's picture to, for an article for mental health or something like that, there would have been no issue. But to use him and 41 other children, like it's it's disgusting, it's heartbreaking to think that there's human beings out there that could do something like this. It's not just my family that has been affected. There's 41 other families that have been affected. And many of them have been in contact with me over this that I would never have known of before this. They haven't. Even, they didn't even know it existed. I didn't even know this paper existed. Until this, I didn't even know who Jim O'Doherty was. It's, it's had a massive, massive strain on me and my family. And she, she has been horrible towards me on her social media sites. She said recently after the newspaper article, her quote, not mine, if you don't like me using your son's picture, burn or bend the paper and move on. I wonder what happened. Do you imagine um, that in August of 2021 uh, that she and her friends went on to RIP and looked to see if uh, there were the deaths of young people that were being recorded and came up with 42 young people who had died for various different reasons and then put together this collage of 42 photographs, which included Diego, and then suggested that they had all died from the COVID vaccine without having an iota of what happened. She didn't know. She just seen died suddenly and that was a vaccines, covid she blamed everything else. She never reached out to anybody to ask them. She never even looked into it to ask them. She just presumed she'd done this for her own self. She'd done this to promote her so-called rag or newspaper, or whatever it is called. But she didn't think of anybody else. Like, how can somebody ham 42 families and get away with it? I'm not asking for much. I really am not asking for much. I just wanted to take it off her Twitter page and dispose of whatever newspaper she's left. That's it. Just do that. Uh, uh, do you feel like your son has been exploited? Definitely. Diego's not here to stand up for himself. Somebody has to stand up for him. And I'm trying so hard. I really am. But I'm just getting nowhere. Did you contact Twitter? I've contacted Twitter. I've reported her. Loads of people have reported her. But she just won't. She's getting worse. I begged for her to take the video. She has a live video holding this newspaper up on Twitter. And I begged her to take it down. And then she retweeted it that day. Yeah. It's not fair. It's really not fair. I have never done any harm to Gemma O'Doherty. I don't know why she feels that she has to do it to me and my family. Okay. Uh, and all, am I right? Uh, there's nothing uh, that you there's can... There's nothing. There's nothing you can I do mean, except appeal to Gemma O'Doherty <laughs> and ask her to hear how much upset this has caused and uh, to act in a, a, a way um, that uh, would respect your wishes. That's all. Just please take them down. Like, Twitter, like, why can't... This woman has been banned off Twitter for years and now all of a sudden she's back with a bang. Like, this is just 42 families that I know of. Many other families have she hurt down through the years. And gets away with it. Why? Why can she get away with it? There should be some law in place to say that people can't do this to other people. There has to be something. Really, really has to be. Okay, I think most people listening to us would think that you've been through enough already, Edel. 
uh, and uh, to have to cope with this on, on top of it uh, as you mourn uh, your your young man, your little boy, Diego. Idel, um, uh, thank you for joining us this morning. Thank you very much, Michael. Thank you indeed. That's uh, thank you. Idel Campbell. Michael Reed on LMFM. Uh, I want to say uh, thanks uh, to the principal of uh, St. Mary's College in Dundalk, Alan Craven, who's made contact uh, with us uh, to say that we are all deeply shocked and saddened in the college by the news of Private Sean Rooney's passing. Sean attended the Marist from 2011. He completed his junior cert with us in 2014. And Alan Craven says he was a lovely student who had a very caring and supportive nature. The principal says he enjoyed school life inside and outside of the classroom. He loved team sports and played football for the college. Sean was very popular with his peers and staff alike. He had a strong sense of community and was very giving to social outreach events in the college, especially charity events like the Christmas hampers and the shoebox appeal. Sean's family have a long association with the Irish Army and it was little surprise to us when he decided to enlist as a soldier at the age of 17, following in the footsteps of his uncles John and Eugene, another past pupil. The thoughts and prayers of our entire Maris community are with his mother, Natasha, grandparents, Eugene and Rachel, and the extended family. As I say, that's a, a message we've uh, been asked to read out uh, from uh, the principal of St. Mary's College in Dundalk, Alan Craven, and many thanks for that. Uh, we've had a, a lot of people in touch with us uh, who've expressed shock, sadness and sympathy following uh, the news of uh, the death and killing of Private Sean Rooney and we'll be speaking with the Defence Forces very shortly. But if you would like to make comment on the programme today, we'd like to hear from you. Our telephone number is 0419832000. You can text or WhatsApp 0861800658. Email michael at lmfm.ie. Michael Reed on LMFM. Now, before the headlines, uh, we heard Private Sean Rooney's old school principal, Alan Craven, extend his sympathies and the sympathies of uh, the college uh, to Private Rooney's mother, Natasha, his grandparents, Eugene and Rachel. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And indeed, to the extended family, those condolences were echoed earlier by Bishop Rooter in Dundalk and indeed uh, tributes have been made by many including the Taoiseach and uh, the President of Ireland, Michael D. Higgins all of whom have also extended their sympathies to the Defence Forces. Let's speak now to Captain Richard Byrne who's a member of the Irish Defence Forces Press Office and a very good morning to you Captain Byrne and thank you indeed uh, for joining us on the programme this morning uh, on this very sad day, one uh, that uh, I'm sure uh, military personnel across the country are, are feeling with a sense of grief. Michael, thank, thanks for having me on. And, and I'd like to follow your previous guest by offering my, my own condolences and the condolences of everyone here in Oakley and the Irish Defence Forces um, to the family of Private Sean Rooney, both in Donegal and in Dundalk. And I'd like to extend that also to the family of Trooper Shane Kearney out in East Cork there, um, who are all all praying all our prayers and our thoughts are with him and we wish a, a speedy recovery um, and our most recent update on Shane is that he remains in a stable yet critical condition in Hamoud UN military uh, medical facility in, in Lebanon but thanks for having me on You're very welcome to the programme uh, and uh, I, I know from uh, the calls and text messages that we're getting uh, to the programme that there really is a sense of grief uh, across uh, the region and people trying to understand 
what happened before they empathise with, uh, get to a stage where they may be able to empathise uh, with uh, the family because uh, it, it is beyond comprehension to some extent. Uh, there is uh, obviously this element uh, of danger in overseas duties, uh, but the death of a soldier um, in service, an Irish soldier in service, is a very rare occasion, isn't it? Uh, yes, yes, it's, it's nearly been two decades since we've we've had a major incident like this in, in uniform and released, uh, resulting in a, a death in, in service or a killed in service. Um, but uh, you mentioned the community there, and I'd like to just thank, I, I think also the Defence Force, we're a family, and it's not just ourselves, it's, it's the friends and family, extended family, but uh, I think the community as a whole, the whole country as a whole, has really come up, come behind ourselves, and the support we've got uh, in support of um uh, and this particularly support of the Rune and Kearney families has been is, we've been bowled over by that. I think that's that's borne out with the the, the flowers that have been left outside Aiken Barracks there up up under Doxville. So we've really been bowled, bowled over by, by by the community. But like you said, we we have a we've a long traditional a tradition in um, proud tradition in, in South Lebanon, and we've been there uh, partic- uh, practically uh, non-stop for since 1978. And we've we've great relations with the community. Um, but the incident that, that, that occurred yesterday again. The three on investigations ongoing because it's a unique situation that it, it occurred outside the uh, UNIFIL area of operation. So the Lebanese authorities are the, the lead agency for the, for, the, for the investigation, but also there's a United Nations investigation and a, an Irish investigation that are that are that have that have, that have, that have uh, began in the last 24 hours. So again, to get through this, we we wait till the till the results of them investigations. But we we are very shocked, um, and um, it, it was a. A routine operation where would have been a minister of patrol, where individuals were given compassionate leave to return home. Two of the two of the eight individuals in the patrol uh, were given compassionate leave to return home for two separate funerals. They had to experience um, deaths in their extended family, and again, that's a routine thing that we give a lot of our. We try and support our troops as best we can in, in overseas to be at home with families um, if they're having issues at home. So mm. that route also from the camp. Along the along the coast, that would have been a designated route from the UMP two four five or Camp Shamrock up to Beirut, and again, it was just at the, at the village of Albakia um, that it seemed that the two vehicles became separated, and, and that the rear vehicle became uh, very quickly surrounded by what's described as a, a very angry and kind of turned quite hostile mob. And, and from there, then the, kind of the next bit of information we had is that the four individuals in that vehicle were in a, in a nearby hospital, Raya Hospital in, in, in Saida. Um, and it was on, it was on arrival there that um, that Sean was pronounced uh, dead, and then it was, he, he died and so killed in service. Um, and that Shane Kearney, um, Trooper Shane Kearney, was brought immediately to surgery, uh, and now he is in a stable yet yet critical condition. So our thoughts with them. Well, he was obviously a, a very young man, uh, just 24 years of age. But having said that, uh, he was a very skilled soldier by all accounts, highly trained uh, and an experienced soldier at that. I think uh, he arrived in the Lebanon on this tour just three weeks ago mm-hmm. and was due to come home for Christmas. Uh, but it was a second tour of duty, wasn't it? He, he was in Lebanon in 2021 uh, on uh, uh, duty there for six months. Yeah, Sean, Sean, he was a bright, enthusiastic and kind of loyal soldier who personified all the values of our own organisation. As you mentioned, highly skilled for, 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 for a soldier with such a short service, such the, the skills to show his enthusiasm and, and his drive. So he, he was a, an advanced reconnaissance soldier. He, uh, was, uh, he was a motorcycle operative and he drove, drove, drove armoured armor vehicles as well. Um, so again, there's a... He had he and and this was the second tour. His first tour kind of this time last year was the 119th Infantry Battalion again in, in uniform. So it wasn't his first time. So, but the, for to, to to get all that into that sh- such short period of service to show his enthusiasm and, and his drive. I understand he was engaged to be married uh, as well, and uh, it's remiss of us. Uh, we should extend sympathies uh, as well uh, to his fiance Holly McConnell, who's uh, just 22 years of age. Uh, and uh, must be finding it very difficult to, to come to terms with this. Uh, I, I take it uh, that uh, there's a, a lot of uh, people who come from military backgrounds uh, who will be able to uh, identify uh, with what the entire family are, are going through, uh, whether they've experienced it directly or, or not, uh, because there's always that element of risk uh, to uh, people who decide to serve their country. 
yeah, there's, there's an inherent risk that uh, we all understand and we all accept when we, we go to serve our country, particularly in, in an overseas environment. And the, the very nature of, of, of peacekeeping is that we're going into a volatile or potentially dangerous uh, area or environment. Um, but it, but it's, it's one that people proudly uh, serve with their, their with their Irish flag and their soldier in, in foreign soil. And just saying that, I'd like to extend my my thoughts and thoughts of our vote in here to the unit that are that are there that had to get up yesterday morning and this morning and continue the operations, the 121st Infantry Battalion. So they're dealing with this on on quite a lot of levels. Um, but yet that they're they're carrying out their mission and they're, they're resolute to carry that out over the next five to six months to complete complete their tour. Um, but as you said, family family is a huge thing, and we're defence force, we're family ourselves, but. I know Sean, um, he, had, he had three uncles in, in, in the barracks there in Aiken Barracks as well, so they, they, he was steeped in, in, in military tradition. Um, mm. So I'd like to extend my condolences again mm. to, to, to the Rooney family, both in Donegal and Dundalk. And as you say, the flag is at half-mast. Uh, people are turning up uh, uh, in huge numbers and leaving flowers at uh, the gates of uh, the barracks uh, as a, an expression of sympathy and Solidarity, uh, I suppose, with what everybody is going through. Uh, and uh, I believe as well that uh, Private Rooney's colleagues in Lebanon are, are by his side as such in uh, that UN hospital uh, and, will yeah, stay, yeah. Uh, and will stay there until he's repatriated. Uh, do we have any indication of when that might be? Yeah, the, the, his colleagues are they're, they're both with they're with Sean in in, in inside a, with, a, with his remains to his repatriate, and they, there will be there will be a constant vigil there by, by his side, and, and there's also members of our battalion with with Trooper Shane Kearney as well at, at his bedside. So we're really trying to support uh, the our, our unit overseas as, as best we can in terms of repatriation. Um, that's quite unclear yet. A date is unclear. I wouldn't like to speculate, but. I know ourselves in the old here and here with the Department of Defence and Department of Foreign Affairs are working as hard as we possibly can to get get Sean home um, uh, as soon as possible. But when we get the information, first person, first people will that we uh, will notify will be the families, and we we we'll, uh, we'll hope to get that as soon as possible. A, a date I can't confirm a date. It's, it's still a, a lot of procedures, and like I mentioned, there's three and three agencies involved in investigations so there's few procedures to go through but hopefully we'll get them home as soon as possible. Indeed. Uh, I suppose uh, like the death of any young person uh, people will always ask questions and wonder why and should it have happened and could it have been prevented? Uh, I think in the case of uh, Private Sean Rooney people will be asking how this happened to somebody who was on a peacekeeping mission. Uh, and I, I'm not sure uh, if uh, you're able to answer this question um, but I'm sure it is a question that is being asked and will be asked uh, for some time to come uh, and what uh, it means in terms of international law uh, and uh, how this death will be viewed in terms of when it's investigated because uh, although he he was in active service, this was not a a military uh, assault uh, as such uh, in wartime. Uh, This was an assault on a a peacekeeper uh, and um, he's dead. Uh, is is that murder? So, I think we really kind of need to give a bit of space and time for the for the investigations to 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 roll on and kind of develop. Um, so, I wouldn't like to speculate or comment on that. But particularly with the fact that it's quite a unique situation with three agencies uh, doing the investigate uh, conducting investigations, um, I'd I'd like to let them kind of take its course and run its course and just see 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 what falls out of that. But but of course. This was a kind of a routine patrol, um, they seem to have got separated and surrounded by surrounded by by, by a mob. Um, uh, but again, I, we wait for the investigation to come through and kind of just to, de- to develop before we kind of get get all the facts. Because there is there's parts of the pieces uh, proposal missing, and we're getting updates uh, constantly. But again, we don't fully don't have the full picture yet. So I, I wait for the full picture before we kind of comment or. Or give opinion on that. Oh, yeah, no, and that's uh, completely understandable. Uh, it's uh, just a, a question I think that uh, people probably will be looking for an answer to, but in time that answer will come. Uh, as you say, at the moment, uh, it's a time uh, for mourning and grief, uh, for solidarity and um, sympathy with uh, the family and indeed with everybody in the Defence Forces. Uh, and uh, I know our listeners want to send that on to you and all of uh, your colleagues. And thank you indeed uh, for joining us this morning, Captain. Thank you very much, Martin. Thank you indeed. Uh, that's uh, Captain Reestart Byrne, who's a member of the Irish Defence Forces Press Office. 
Michael, Michael Reed, Reed on, on LMFM. Now, uh, tomorrow uh, we're uh, to get a uh, new government. Leo Vratker is uh, to become the Taoiseach, or at least that's the expectation. Uh, it's a, a little bit more complicated uh, than that because he has to be nominated and elected, but uh, I think pigs will fly if that doesn't happen. Let's uh, speak to Adam Higgins, political correspondent with the Irish Sun. Good morning to you, Adam, and thank you indeed uh, for joining us on the programme this morning. You're not expecting pigs to fly. No, no, I think um, what will likely happen tomorrow is that the players will stay the same, but the, their positions on the pitch might change a little bit. So the things we know for definite is that the finance and public expenditure ministers will swap places. We know that the three green ministers will stay where they are. We know that Dara O'Brien, the housing minister, is going to stay in that housing portfolio. And we know Leo Varadkar has to leave the Department of Business to take over the Department of Taoiseach. And that's where the little changes might start to happen. Okay. Because... Yep, go ahead. The, the Taoiseach then will have to decide, the current Taoiseach, Michal Marin, will have to decide which department he wants to take over. Now, there is the option that he makes that straight swap into the Department of Business, and that's where all the changes stop. But from what we uh, can gather in Lenser House is that uh, he doesn't want to go in as uh, and continue on the work that Leo Varadkar has done in the Department of Business. He would rather take over a different department, possibly Foreign Affairs, which would see Simon Coveney then maybe move to the Department of Business. Okay, so the Taoiseach will go to the park early tomorrow morning. That's right. So the, the first... Um, order of business then will be the Taoiseach to the park and he comes into the doll and tells people that he's going to resign. And he's off to the park and then he comes back and we'll have a, a couple of hours of debate where people will propose themselves as Taoiseach. So we'll see Sinn Féin propose Mary Lou to be Taoiseach and maybe some of the other oppositions proposing their their leader to be Taoiseach and all that sort of stuff. And we'll have votes and obviously because the government has the majority and this, this deal is in place, uh, Leo Varadkar will be then elected T-shirt by the doll. He goes off to the park then, and then there is an informal, he, he appoints his cabinet then later on, so we'll know who goes where if there's any other changes, and then there will be a cabinet meeting in Orison uh tomorrow evening to kind of finalise everything and move on from there. It won't be the first time that a Taoiseach has gone to the park to tender his resignation to the President. Is it the first time that he'll go to the doll on a Saturday? Well, it's interesting because uh, Michal Martin started his um, career as, as Taoiseach on a Saturday as well. You'll remember way back uh, two years ago in the convention centre, we were all called in on a Saturday and we had the big vote then. So it's uh, I don't know if it's unusual for him to resign on a Saturday, but I know this is the first time that coalition parties will have agreed a change in the middle of a sitting government. So it's in, historic in that way in that it's the first time the Taoiseach's position has changed within the government without a, a general election. Okay. Uh, and is it expected that all of uh, the senior ministers will remain senior ministers uh, even if uh, they end up with different portfolios? Well, that is the the speculation at the moment. But this um, past week or two, the, the speculation and the, the kind of talk within the higher levels of the government has been very tight. They don't want to give anything away. So maybe there is a surprise in there for us tomorrow. Okay. Uh, there may be some new positions created, I take it. Yes, so we we know that there's going to be two junior cabinet or junior um, ministerial positions created. One of those will be to uh, specifically deal with the accommodation situation for Ukraine, and that's likely to be on the Fianna Fáil side of the house. And then there will be another junior position created for Fianna Gael in order to balance that out. Where that position goes, we don't really know yet. Okay, uh, there's uh, two seats uh, at the cabinet table: the attorney general, who's a member of uh, the cabinet, and uh, the chief whip, who's not a member of uh, the cabinet but attends cabinet meetings. Will there be changes there? That's right. The attorney general has his last day today, and that will swap um, to the other side of the house. And then, with the chief whip, Jack Chambers is currently chief, uh, the government chief whip. He sits at the cabinet table. Now, it's likely that he will stay at the cabinet table as a super junior position, but the chief whip role will switch to Fine Gael. Now. Some people say that will be go that role will go to Hildegard Nocton and she will just remain as that super junior there. Others are saying that uh, Kerry's Brendan Griffin may take the position, which would mean that Hildegard Nocton may have to be moved elsewhere. Okay, uh, and uh, it's not just changes uh, in uh, the lineup in the doll. There'll be changes in the Shannon as well. That's right. That, that, that actually happens today. The Cahirlach of the Shannon, um, Mark Daly, will, he's the Fianna Fáil representative. He takes uh, a step down and Jerry Buttermer from Fianna Gael will move up to be the new Cahirlach of the Shannon. And a, a change in leader of uh, the Shannon then as well. 
That's right. The government leaders in, in their various positions in the Shannon will change. And also something that is likely to change next week then is the rest of those uh, junior ministerial roles, so the likes of the ministers of state. Now, from what we hear, that's likely to be where you're going to see most of the changes in the coming days. We won't hear about that tomorrow, but at the cabinet meeting on Tuesday next week is when those are going to be signed off by the senior ministers. So there is likely to be some promotions and demotions in those positions next week. Uh, will it make any difference? Will people notice a difference? I think people may notice the difference if their local representative, say their local TD, is promoted or demoted. So the geographical spread of those junior ministerial positions is something that's always kind of kept a close eye on. And whether, you know, your constituency has a minister or has or is lost a minister, that will be something that I think people will notice. Uh, who will be expecting a call or hoping for a call, uh, call more accurately put? I think that's kind of all speculation at the moment. I think the big changes may come in um, the Fianna Gael side of the House. Leo Varadkar uh, just this week, earlier this week, told his parliamentary party meeting that he wanted everyone who was going to take up one of these officership uh, positions, he said, to be to commit to running in the next election. So he's gone around asking anyone who is a junior minister who holds one of these Oireachtas chair positions, are you going to run in the next general election? And if not, he wants to make changes there so that those senior positions are held by people that have committed to a long-term political career within Fine Gael. So I think that's going to be interesting to see who moves where and uh, the reasons why then afterwards, if someone is demoted, does that mean they may not run in the next election? All right, well, we'll find out all tomorrow. Uh, but uh, as to whether uh, we'll notice, uh, I suppose people will tell us next week. Adam, thank you indeed uh, for joining us on uh, the programme uh, this morning. Adam Higgins, uh, political correspondent with uh, the Irish Sun. Michael, Michael Reed on, on LMFM. LMFM. Well, just uh, a little over a week before Christmas and let's talk now about what the Irish Independent is calling the nightmare before Christmas. We're joined by Charlie Weston, personal finance editor with the Irish Independent. Good morning to you, Charlie, and thanks for joining us. Uh, this is a nightmare that has been delivered by the ECB. Probably not all that unexpected, but not the end of it either. Unfortunately, you're right, Michael, and on, and on every count there, yeah, I'm sick of having to relay bad news, and we get people on Twitter onto me all the time. Well, you've no good news, bud. It's all bad news, but, you know, there was mm. some good news this week with petrol and diesel prices coming down, but... Uh, and I, I see inflation figures out today, and it's, it's, it's steady at least. But you're absolutely right. The European Central Bank has delivered another uh, blow to people on variable mortgages and tracker mortgages because uh, they're going to become more expensive. And if you're going to come out of a fixed rate at some stage, you know you're going to have to pay more. Yeah, the, the, the fixed rate, really good deals are going to be they're going to be gone and be more expensive. So it's the fourth interest rate rise uh, since last July. It means that the European Central Bank refinance rate, it's the main rate that's used by banks when they're calculating mortgage rates and it influences tracker rates. That goes up to 2.5%. And there could be another another increase of, of a half percentage point in half, half percent in, um, in February when the European Central Bank meets again because they're concerned that inflation is not coming down fast enough and might linger around for two two years at least. So mm. uh, I know it's really bad news. No, shocked to see what it, yeah, shocked to see what it means. You're what you're saying what it's about three thousand for a, a tracker mortgage customer on a two hundred thousand twenty five year type of mortgage. Exactly. Yeah, this latest one is 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 about. I suppose you know you take somebody as you say on a two hundred thousand euro mortgage twenty five year term. Uh, the latest increase is about €50 Euros, um, a month. You know, that's about €600 Euros over a year. And then if you take all of these four increases together, you're absolutely right. You're, you're nearly hitting three grand for that €200,000 tracker mortgage. Mm. Now, the good thing is a lot of the tracker mortgages that have paid down a bit more than that unless they borrowed an absolutely ginormous amount during the, 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 the Celtic Tiger nonsense. But... Um, You'd hope that people have got that down. A lot of people have moved off trackers and taken up fixed rates because trackers were a great deal, but they're less, 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 less so by the month mm. at the moment. Okay. Uh, but there's still a lot of people who are caught on variables, and some of those are not being given an option to fix because their mortgages were bought by a, a vulture fund. Yeah. And, and those guys don't offer fixed rates. They stick people on variables, and they're passing through every single 
increase in the European Central Bank to these people and, you know, they're now on punitive rates. Of right. And that brings... Uh, to 7%. You know, you know. That brings a, a story we heard uh, very recently on uh, the programme uh, from uh, Jimmy Crosby, who lives in RD, and uh, his mortgage was bought by Pepper Investment. Uh, and he was put onto a, a variable and he saw his mortgage go from 3.5% to 6.5% uh, and undoubtedly it's increasing because of uh, these latest, or has the potential at least to increase because of uh, these latest increases by the ECB. Uh, he believes that he, he was put onto that variable uh, mortgage wrongly uh, and he's been arguing the case and there's a lot of people who have uh, a lot of problems you've been reporting on this extensively Charlie Weston uh, and have uh, brought it to the attention of a lot of people at this stage so much so that it was raised in the doll earlier this week and this is what uh, the Minister for Finance had to say about people who have problems with uh, providers such as Pepper Investments Government is limited in terms of the intervention Uh, a response that we can have to this matter because these mortgages are independently regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Anybody who was in a situation that their loan book was sold to an organisation like Pepper Finance has the same consumer protection as any other um, uh, loan holder would, uh, would receive. But what I'll certainly do is we'll raise the matter with the central bank and raise the concerns that you have uh, mm-hmm. just shared with the doll here and see if a, a, a response is possible from our regulator to that matter. Right. Uh, when I heard Pascal Donoghue say that in the doll earlier this week, Charlie Weston, I got in touch with Jimmy Crosby again and said, it seems as though you're no different from any other customer. Uh, the same rules apply. Central bank governs it. Uh, but he tells me he's been in touch with the central bank and uh, they've dismissed this case? Yeah, I mean, the central bank just won't get involved in rate setting of any kind. Uh, you know, they just say that's just not their job. Um, it's, it, they, these are independent companies. But the central bank ha- bears a lot of responsibility for this mess, and it is a mess, and it's probably going to turn into higher arrears because the central bank forced the main lenders, the, the, the permanent TSBs, the AFBs, Ulster, uh, KBC, uh, Bank of Ireland, it forced them to sell loans uh, that, that it, it regarded as non-performing. And many of those were kind of split mortgages where people might have had a temporary difficulty paying the mortgage, so a portion of the mortgage was put to one side and they don't make any payments on that for a while. And all along, these people were told, we're giving you a split mortgage until you get over the problem you have, and it's, we don't regard it as non-performing. But lo and behold, those mortgages were sold as well. There were people who had what's called managed variable rates, which is, you know, you get a lower rate if you pay down a good bit of the mortgage and the house has, has a bit of value built up in it. They've lost those as well. And all of these people have been sent over to, the, you know, to, 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 to be managed by the likes of Pepper and Start. And uh, their mortgages are owned by vultures, ultimately owned by vultures. And they're just being hit with variable rates, which are extremely high, 65 to 7%, mm-hmm. as they say, with the possibility they'll go to 7 to 75 you know, in, in the new year. And these people are struggling to pay them. And, uh, you and know, no recourse. No recourse. Uh, you know, the, 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 these, these, the likes of Start and Pepper won't offer them fixed rates, even though they could. They won't offer them uh, fixed rates. So these people I can't switch either. I can't switch to another bank because the other banks don't want to look, don't want to, don't want them, don't want to look at them even mm. because they're saying, hold on a minute here, there's, a, there's an impaired credit history here. You missed some payments here at one stage or you have a split mortgage or something, you know. Mm. Uh, so they're, they're not going to even consider them, unfortunately. That's the situation as it stands. Uh, uh, there uh, may be some change in that situation, uh, depending on how this story, stories like Jimmy Crosby's, are heard uh, by legislators. Uh, we leave it there for the moment, Charlie. Thanks indeed for joining us on the programme. Thank you, Michael. Thank you. Charlie Weston, Personal Finance Editor with the Irish Independent. Michael Reed on LMFM. Uh, the Dublin Monaghan bombings in 1974 was one of uh, the worst atrocities on this island uh, during uh, the Troubles, killing 33 civilians, including a woman who was nine months pregnant. 300 people were injured. Uh, if you don't remember the Dublin Monaghan bombings, uh, I'm sure you'll remember the dis- devastation or be very much aware of uh, the devastation uh, that it caused. And uh, you may be surprised to hear that uh, a picture of the aftermath of one of those bombs in Talbot Street uh, is uh, part of a poster campaign campaign. Uh, 
This is a bomb that killed 14 people. Uh, you can see the carnage and in front of that is a photograph of Leo Radker. The reason is because Leo Radker is to become the Taoiseach tomorrow and uh, these posters which have gone up in East Belfast say peace or protocol, it's your decision. The possibility of a return to violence is very real. Peter McVerry, journalist with our wireless sister station U105 in Belfast is on the line. Peter, good morning to you. Thank you indeed uh, for joining us. Who's behind this? Yeah, it looks like it's loyalist paramilitaries. There have been one loyalist source who's spoken to some members of the press and said, listen, there are hundreds of these and there are across very many loyalist areas. If it didn't have permission or the stamp of the loyalist paramilitaries, then these things wouldn't have gone up and wouldn't have stayed up. The phraseology that you're referring to there on the poster, interestingly, unionists and especially loyalists here have a have a suspicion um, about Leo Varadkar that goes back a number of years. They, they, they don't trust him. And if you if you look back to the negotiations around the Northern Ireland Protocol and you look back to the to the withdrawal agreement that, that was drawn up then and Leo Varadkar uh, was in his position there in Dublin, he talked about the possibility of a return to violence that he feared um, from dissident Republicans should there be a hard border on the island of Ireland. Unionists and loyalists reacted very negatively to that. The then First Minister... Arlene Foster was very strong in her criticism of Leo Varadkar for that. And now you have those loyalist paramilitaries and those behind these posters using that phraseology, but obviously in the reverse, um, to, to, to warn and to highlight that, that violence on either side of the border um, could be a possibility. Not quite as sinister, but uh, the front page of a loyalist magazine, The Purple Standard, had the headline, Stormont or the Protocol, it's still your choice. Uh, and uh, part of that underlined to emphasise uh, that there's still time uh, to get rid of the protocol, I think. Uh, yes, and historically the urgings that were coming from the DUP, who are the people who were who were leading the charge and the people who have brought down Stormont and have the ability to, to get it back up again by, by getting in, the DUP had called for the uh, abolishment um, of the protocol or the smashing of the protocol. You know, that phraseology has changed over the last while. Um, they have seven steps they've put in place that they need to see before they will go back into storm. And some of those steps are clear. Some of those steps are a bit more vague. But the, the phraseology now is less around smashing and, and, and getting rid of the protocol and more about, um, you know, more about working to see that Northern Ireland's place within the United Kingdom um, is maintained and strengthened and not weakened which is what the Ulster Unionists, the DUP, and, and, and all shades of unionism here in Northern Ireland believe that the protocol is, is weakening and they don't all believe that coming out of Stormont is the way to deal with it. And interestingly, as we speak, the Prime Minister is in Northern Ireland. He landed last night for a meeting with the parties, but it's been described here by one of the political leaders, the Ulster Unionist leader, Doug Beatty, as a grip and grin session. So no real substantive talks, just a bit of a photo opportunity He's now the Prime Minister doing the rounds in Belfast. He's heading to Harland and Wolf um, to to heal the awarding of a contract for naval support warships that's happening right across the UK. But the three of them are going to be assembled at the Harland and Wolf yard in Belfast. So he's here for that economic reason. He has been speaking to some of the political parties, but no indication that we're going to get any great movement on the protocol this mm-hmm. set of Christmas. Okay, the Peter. Intention- you think of all sides is that January and February is when it might move on ahead of the 25th anniversary of the Good Friday Agreement in April. All right, uh, just very br- briefly, these posters uh, depicting uh, scenes uh, of uh, Talbot Street with Leo Radker talking about a return to violence are repugnant. Uh, should we be worried? Um, at, at this stage, no. Um, the, the, the only violence that you know that we've had associated with the protocol, if you like, were some street protests uh, maybe in in Easter of last year that was used across a, a, a peace wall chocolate stones that then turned into petrol bombs and that maybe ramped for, for 10 or 14 days across a period okay. of time everyone on all sides has been able to keep a lid on the majority of the violence we have had some this is Republican incidents and attacks, to, you know, attacks and attempts to kill mm. police officers but as with regards to bombs in the Republic at this stage you know, no, no indication that this is anything more um, than threats and posters mm. at this stage. And, and everybody uh, hopes that we'll move forward positively and politically rather than through violence. And very upsetting, uh, 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 having said that. Peter, we leave it there. Thank you very much indeed. Peter McVerry, journalist with our wireless sister station U105 in Belfast. That's our programme for today. God willing, we'll see you for our next programme on Monday morning at 9am right here on LMFM. Good morning. Bye-bye. 
The Michael Reed Show podcast. Tune in weekdays from 9 on LMFM. To contact us, email now. Michael at LMFM.ie Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW.